0: Welcome to the Modern Woodworkers Association, a podcast about woodworking from folk who woodwork. Woodworking is what we do, who we are, and what we like to talk about. So join us as we have a drink, sit around, and talk woodworking.
1: Hi, and welcome to the 281st episode of the Modern Woodworkers Association podcast. I'm Kyle Barton of K. Barton Tools, and I'm here with my co hosts Diami Plotky of the Penultimate Woodshop and Sean Wisniewski of the Corner Workshop. Tonight, we're visiting with accomplished woodworker, ambassador of Japanese tools, and longtime friend of the show, Wilbur Pan. And I guess I forgot uh, native New Jerseyite. Or, yep. Ian. Uh, New yeah, New Jerseyan, right? New Jerseyan. Well, well,
2: actually, I'm a native Chicagoan. Uh, <laughs> well, that's true. But New Jersey transplant. But I've been here for 20 years now, almost 20 years. I so. think that makes you
3: native. Yeah.
2: yeah. We did go native very quickly when we first moved here.
3: How did? How do you do that?
2: Well, well, we just started doing all the things that New Jersey people do, um, and and I was actually quite um, surprised and pleased at how. How how fast we settled in because um, it, it, because you should know that um, New Yorkers get all the cred for you know being super proud of being from New York, mm-hmm. uh, but but the, but it's nothing compared to people from Chicago. Mm. Chicago. <laughs> more proud of, from, of being from Chicago than New Yorkers are uh, proud of being from New York. I I, I I would bet anything on on that. But um, you know, so for us to settle into New Jersey so quickly, um, that, that was quite a, uh, a pleasant
1: surprise. Well, oh. that's great. Yes, because you always talk all things uh, New Jersey, but yeah, I do remember that uh, you uh, born and raised in Chicago. Yep, yep. Which, uh, which my neck of the woods will pass you as the third largest city in a few years.
2: Yeah, yep.
1: yeah. Jeez.
2: I also heard. I also heard Houston was going is um, as expensive, if not more, so that to live in than New York, um, mainly because of the. Uh, uh, the the time lost in commuting. <laughs> could
1: be, uh, that could may be. be. Not,
3: but you know what? Gas is cheap. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Gas well, is cheaper you, there than than uh, than up here, man. That we, we I noticed that last week. Yeah, we got the refineries. We just
1: you know just. You know, there's no gas stations. It just goes the hose. Yeah, goes, it goes to the, the hose way. right for the
3: refinery. <laughs> yes, like I, I've got two gas refineries in uh, crude refineries, I should say, in my area that feed us a little bit. You have like fifteen or or more. I mean, or probably more, more probably yeah. a lot more than that. Yeah.
0: I live on an island that has wells for water.
3: I have a yard with a well for water. <laughs> hmm. Anyway,
0: no, we don't actually do that. But our municipal water is from wells. Oh wow!
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay.
1: that's a big well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Anyway, anyway, <laughs> moving on. So, things have piqued our interest, Diomi. I believe you uh, heard about something.
0: <laughs> I did, and I'm wholly uninformed on it. I've never watched or listened. Um, okay, I love you, Mark, but I don't do videos. So, mm-hmm. um, at least not not since I've had kids in the life. Um, nothing against your life, but um, anyway. <laughs> Um, Now that I've dug myself a hole, let me share that um, apparently uh, Mark and his lovely wife, Nicole, are starting the Woodworking Morning Show, which, if I understand and the little bit I think I understand about it, is a variant or a change of their Friday Live, and this will be video and also going out as an audio podcast, if I understand right. And I've just shared with you all that I know, and most of it's probably wrong okay
1: well since i listen to it every day all right all right go ahead i can fill you in a little bit um is yes you are uh, primarily correct however you can get what used to be friday live and now the woodworking morning show as an audio podcast they have an audio feed for that um that might have been only for patreon members but i'm not sure but anyway so right now um they they had a patreon but you really didn't get any rewards uh for being a patreon you're just basically supporting the show which i was doing and uh apparently someone gave them a hard time about that so they decided and i think a couple other things were going on so they decided to make it uh more of a real show and and put a little bit more effort into it so they you know come up with a new name for it called the woodworking morning show and it's the and i think it's going to be every friday but then for patreon members there will also be like a 20 to 40 minute after show that's just for them so
0: so it's it's really yeah. the woodworking friday morning show yeah Okay.
3: I believe so. Yeah. It's not Not, a daily thing. Not every morning. That's a lot. Yeah. Not every morning. No. It's not doing a Scott Johnson with the morning streamer. But in an interesting move, and I I wonder because their friends, and Kyle and I are both listeners to the morning stream and the work of Scott Johnson, they just recently went through a thing where they had a Patreon. They've had a Patreon for years. Yeah. And they said when they instituted their patreon that they, hey, if we get to this level of support, we're going to start doing a fifth show a week and would do, and it is a well, it's a Friday afternoon show. Yeah, um they now have said, well, six years after the fact, we realized we we're giving that to everybody, not just the people that are paying us. right. So um, let's roll that back and say, okay, this is considered premium content. Pay us at least a dollar, and we'll give it to you. It's not expensive. but, we're going to restrict it to only the people that are Does, paying just that little bit.
0: we're getting yeah. into the weeds more than we were when we were talking about municipal water. but um, <laughs> doesn't doesn't that come down to uh, frog pants being thrown off of YouTube? He's back. He's, He's back, back right. now. Yeah. okay.
3: yeah, that was that was a temporary thing. I don't think it lasted two weeks, okay. That, yeah, and that was just, a that was a misnomer about one of his episodes from five years ago. Somebody tagged it because they yeah. played a video of a movie. No, or I,
0: I audio, don't. I don't mean to say there's movie. anything legitimate in them being thrown off. But yeah. I think what it what it comes down to is you realize that you can't rely on a single source like that as the main part of your revenue.
3: No, yeah. and that's a, that's I mean, that's, that's one thing Mark preaches all the time. Yeah, about yeah. not relying they, on. They operate on a different realm. I mean, they're getting hundreds of thousands of downloads a day and and making that money without YouTube Mm -hmm. there. And and there's they're they're multifaceted already. It's not like they had they're all eggs in the basket on YouTube AdSense, you know, but uh, so I I don't know. But yeah, they've been primarily audio only podcasts
1: forever. In mm -hmm. fact, they, they broadcast stuff on YouTube, but I hardly ever watch it on YouTube. I, no. I, yeah, I'm just I just listen. i just podcast all the time, yeah. hmm mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't have time but, for video. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I'm glad they're doing, doing this, and I look forward to it. Uh, they did uh, let out a little Easter egg on the last uh, show, and I won't tell you exactly what that is, but because, mm. uh, um, you know... <laughs> I think I'm sworn to secrecy if I'm a Patreon member or something like that. But uh, anyway, there's some interesting stuff coming hey, coming up. There you go. Well, that is true. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, that's good. So, I mean, it is, Kyle, because you've listened to it, and I, I haven't had yeah. a chance either. Um, it, it, it is basically the the their normal format. Yeah, pretty much the normal format. Um, It
1: may run a little shorter because we are going to do the after show. You know, normally they're running about an hour to an hour and 15. And like the last show was like only 45. But I think they're they're planning on doing like 45 minutes of the basic Q&A type stuff that they do. And, you know, promote some new tools or whatnot. And then um, they'll have like an after show. It'll be like another 20 minutes or so. Hmm. But that's just for the Patreon members. And they have low rates, too, I think a buck two bucks something like that is the entry
3: entry one maybe two dollars that's a nice thing about patreon yes like that exactly so
0: you know what if, it, if it's just more content that supports them and that they can be successful with go for it i i mm-hmm. know i probably sound a little negative towards video but that's i just don't have time for it in my life that doesn't mean it's not a viable format so more power no, to more
3: i mean i think there are are they there's probably almost equal numbers of, of listeners to viewers on stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. it's it's be, it's really common. My kids are watching videos all day and most of it's just audio content.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: In reality, they're listening to people talk. Yeah, but I mean, they're I, watching
1: them talk. Exactly, exactly. And that's a perfect thing. The Friday Live, as soon as they opened up and uh, or at least until I found out that they had that. Available via, you know, download on a podcast. I've rarely caught it in the video format. Most all all the time, it's been in the video format. I mean, the audio format. And then if they mention something that I actually want to see, like they're demoing some tool or something, I'll go back and look at it then.
3: Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I I subscribe on YouTube. I I see them show up on YouTube, but I Mm. don't. I, I don't think I've clicked on them more than a few times. It's just. Because I, I don't I don't scour and listen to hours of YouTube. I sure as hell listen to hours of podcast, though. Yes, exactly. But anyway, anyway, moving right along. Um,
1: so. Well, I'll do my Oneida uh, plug. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um,
1: Oneida has a couple of things and maybe they, they've been around for a while, but I just noticed them. Um, they have a uh, new technology on their dust collectors called Smart Boost. And um, in a nutshell, what that does is it increases the fan speed anytime it detects a load. So it's constantly monitoring the load on the motor. Mm. So if you have more than one blast gate open, or let's say you have a four-inch blast gate open and a six-inch, and you shut the six-inch, it needs more power to you know maintain the same uh, suction through the uh, smaller four-inch. So it will increase the, the motor this came uh, speed. Out a
0: year or two ago, didn't
1: it? Yeah, exactly. But they they. I've heard I've heard about it, and they had it on some of their quote-unquote industrial-type machines, but this is the first time I saw, anyway, that they put it into their hobbyist machines. And that brings me to another thing, is they've kind of totally reformatted uh, their lineup. So almost all of their higher-end uh, machines, which I'm going to say are metal, um, you know, they have the metal cyclone, all have this uh, new um, smart boost technology integrated, and then um, some of the more hobbyist machines have like uh, the uh, plastic cyclone, kind of like the Super desk Deputy, and and things of that nature, or products of that nature. So, um, you know, it looked fairly interesting, um, but it looked like it added a, at least a good. You know, looking at their pricing in my head from back when it looks like it added a few dollars to uh, to the overall pricing, of course. <laughs> yeah. It looks like, yeah, most of the most like the I think the three horsepower um, one is somewhere around thirty five hundred bucks. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at the uh, page. Yeah. Right yeah. yeah. And if you look at their hobbyist one in that same. Uh, same ballpark, three horsepower. I think it's like almost a thousand dollars cheaper. It's like 2,500 bucks.
0: But you could go to, you go to, you go from three to five horsepower to, and you it's only $3,700. So
1: why would you I know? I, w- I would go with the five horsepower if I had the electrical service. that could say, support need it three out. phase
0: for that? You probably do.
1: No, no. You just need, okay. no, no, no. But you need to have a, have a circuit breaker that can handle a, okay. handle. Do you know yeah.
0: where your fuse box is? Put one in.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: There you go. Yeah. It's certainly possible to put a five horsepower motor on uh, on a single phase power in a, in a house. You just uh, it's probably the only thing that's
3: going to sit on that circuit, though.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That in your stove. <laughs>
3: <Yep>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the, the microwave, the dryer and the stove are you can't be run simultaneously simultaneously with that. Right. A, a sub panel. Yes. just For that. Just for that. Just for that, but so anyway,
1: I thought the technology was interesting. Um, it it but, reminds
0: yeah. me of like the uh, the brushless motors and all the mm. net, all the power tools that maintain speed under uh, you know duress. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So I'm sure that's what it is. Is it's a brushless motor maintaining it? Um, but I guess they put in some sort of sensor so it can monitor the suction.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, so it sounds interesting. So, you know, if you're in the market for a Cyclone, certainly check that out.
0: I believe they're all made in upstate New York, in Oneida, New York, actually.
3: Yeah. Oh, really? I, I, I didn't know that was a locality.
0: Yeah.
3: Well, that's kind of cool. Yeah. I know my dad's been talking about getting one for a long time, mm-hmm. um, and he mentioned their gorilla series before. The, this stuff is oh. not
0: cheap, but it all seems to be very well made, and the couple of Oneida things I have are— I mean, I, I have mm-hmm. a plethora of Dust Deputies, and I have the Super Dust Deputy, um, and their customer support was always very good, and it just seems to be nice stuff when I've seen the actual metal
3: machines. It's all really well made. Right. I'm, I'm a little fuzzy on terminology. A plethora? Uh, how plethora. many is that? That's um, three. <laughs> In, In this case, it's three. Okay, I have one. That's, wow. That's okay. That's, okay. That's well, a I legitimate have, plethora.
0: I have one on my, on my CT and one on my little handheld... Uh, shop vac thing that I use to dust off um, my workbench, and I have one dedicated to the vacuum from my miter saw. Hmm.
3: Hmm. Now, th- this, this that dovetails nicely into the next topic. Exactly.
1: How about the Dust that? Deputy Bagger Cyclone Separator
3: Kit. Why? Say that three times <laughs> <fast>. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> so, but imagine, if you will, a Dust Deputy without a bucket underneath it. I can see it. I, <laughs> well, well actually it does have a bucket underneath it, but
1: then it's kind of upside down bucket
0: with a bag tape to it.
1: <laughs> What's yeah. it. exactly. Exactly. And I don't know if y'all watched uh, um, the video on this, I but have. it's absolutely hilarious. So this bag is long enough that when you turn the vacuum on, it sucks the bag up to the bottom of the bucket. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so all your sawdust falls into the bucket. And then when you turn the machine off, uh, the bag uh, deflates, or I guess, or, de- you know, it's not sucked up against the bottom of that uh, bucket anymore. So it so it comes uh, inflates, I guess, would be the right word. And the dust falls into the bag. So the, so the next time you flip your vacuum on the bags long enough that just the clean portion of the bag gets sucked up. So it kind of separates between the bag and, and the uh dust it's in the bottom of the bag so to speak you seems gotta watch smart. the video I, and this is hard to explain but you need to watch the
3: video but it's kind of ingenious <laughs> it, it, it that seems more of a like a science class demonstration of, it is of some some mechanics uh then yeah i mean i get it but it's interesting it, it,
1: it's it's interesting, and I, I just I just found it. You know, I would uh, listeners go out there um, to Onada's website. It's called the Dust Deputy Bagger Cyclone Separator Kit, but just go to the Dust Deputy section and you'll find it. But uh, you got to watch the video. It is it is hilarious, but then you think hmm, that's actually pretty clever too. Um, I'm I'm
0: with you there, but I guess yeah. it's fascinating and it is pretty clever, but. Yeah. I can't help but think, why didn't they put it on a suit? Why'd they put a regular dust deputy on it? Like, it's this big wall-mounted thing.
3: Mm-hmm. If you're
0: going to... It only connects to a shop vac. Like, you, mm-hmm. if you're not going to have it be powerful, don't you want it to be portable? Like, I don't know. It,
1: that that was my only concern. It would be great for a small shop where you had a hose that could get to all your locations. Yeah, but, but it, yeah, it does immobilize your shop vac. You can't... Vac,
0: you can't... Even yeah. if it reaches all the spots, you can't suck a table saw or planer with a shop vac. Like, you need... Even in a small shop, you're only doing hand tools with that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I think you're only, well, you know, I, I always, uh, and maybe this is my fault, I always assume people work the way I work. I mean, I only use my shop vac for cleanup, so this would work in my okay. occasion. Okay, yeah, I guess
0: you could do that, yeah. just general yeah. vacuuming. Mm-hmm. I use yeah, my dust collector for that, frankly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, but yeah, I use my shop bag for that kind of thing. But uh, the way my shop's laid out is so long that um, this would not serve me well. Mm. Yeah, I need so a more you could make a mobile cart for this.
3: Sir? You could. I think the, the cantilever or design could, of it would cause a little bit of complication. Yeah. But or you life. could have more than one. I mean, that's
0: the solution.
3: That's, you need yeah, four. It's, it's one hundred
1: and thirty bucks. So it's you know, if you had more than one shop bag, oh. that would probably work
3: for you. Which does that include the deputy on top? It mm-hmm. Does okay, yeah. so it's really. I mean, you're talking about it's thirty dollars. I mean, no, because yeah. the deputies are about a hundred, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. They are okay. so you're getting thirty bucks for a, a nice yellow painted bent bracket and associated other gaskets and things to attach a bag. Well, I was impressed. Yeah. It comes with the hose to connect to the uh, shop bag. So yeah. But it is, it is, it does, and I'm with with Yami on that. It, it limits mobility. I mean, mm-hmm. the the deputy I have on a bucket attached to a shop vac marches its ass all around the basement. You know, depending on what I'm sucking up. You know, right. that's, that's that's nice. And you know, I, yes, I'm limited to the six foot hose I've got. You know, that oh. connects everything together. But
2: man. How many are these bags?
3: They oh, three point nine say? gallons. No, no, it can't be that. It they must
1: no, be bigger than that. No, no, yeah, they're bigger yeah, than that. I, I think that's the little, yeah, you know, that's a bucket black
2: thing that that uh, clips underneath the dust deputy. Because yeah. I mean, looking at the picture, and if it's maybe, um, it's maybe half the size of your standard clear bag that goes under a single stage yeah, dust tray. Right. You're, you're, uh, um, if you're in a small shop, you're giving up a pretty good amount of wall space for this thing. I think, Absolutely I think. true. Yeah, absolutely
3: true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're Basically what I'm saying but... is you can accumulate 3.9 gallons at a time because that's how big the, big the accumulation bin is. Yeah. Um, oh, I guarantee uh... you that bag's probably the same size as like one of those
1: single-stage collector yeah. bags because be. that, I, I don't think they manufactured a totally different bag for this thing.
0: No, but the problem uh, too becomes now, <laughs> at least with the dust deputy – Getting the lid on and off the bucket can sometimes be a little frustrating. But once you get it off, it's a bucket. It's not that hard to empty. The bags are a pain in the butt.
1: Well, no, I think they're designed for you just to throw them away.
0: Right, but how do you You get the bag off that thing? Like you have to, when you think about
1: a dust. I bet it's just got got some sort of uh, something that just secures it to it. could even be, uh, yeah, it looks like some couple of big rubber bands. That just mm. Just, mm. just secure the bag on on there. Mm. Okay.
3: Yeah, so uh, the ba- the bags if you're asking twenty eight by forty. Three mil thick.
1: Yeah, that's gotta be a standard dust collector bag. Yeah. Yeah,
3: and that's pretty good. Twenty eight diameter, probably a bucket or yeah. circumference, I should say, in forty inch depth. That yeah, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm.
2: I don't know. So I mean, anyway, so it's more than
3: that, space but, you're giving up minimum. Yeah, a, as it is, um, the, with the five gallon bucket that's on my dust deputy, I I empty that one to two years, yeah. you know, in between. Um, it, so yeah, I don't know that. In any, between, uh, in between rocket launches.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: I mean, I mean, there's drywall dust, there's cat litter dust. I mean, there's all sorts of crap in there. I mean, it just gets walked around the house. Mm-hmm because it's it's great for you know as a, as a utility to the shop back it's fantastic because it keeps it clean and, and running pretty efficient um just because it separates the dust you know um but it, i i don't fill it that often that's just me though yeah
2: i i just use a broom and push everything down to the end of the shop where my dust collector is and then use the dust collector <laughs> Right. And And and, and I've got like one of those, you know, wide floor sweeper type. Right. It goes really fast.
1: Yeah, I should probably do something like that myself. (laughs) I don't know. But anyway, well, with that, uh, let's move on. So, uh, Wilbur, um, I saw that you published something about uh, some articles in popular woodworking about uh, women and woodworking. So. Oh yeah, yeah. So,
2: so um, there uh, apparently there is an exhibit uh, down in Philadelphia, and my mind is blanking on the, the Center p- for Art in Wood. Thank you. Yeah, the Center the Center for Art and Wood, and uh, it, and it uh, featured forty three um, women woodworkers, uh, most uh, most if not all who made chairs because they it was called making a seat at the table, and popular woodworking has been going. Uh, through with interviews with, as far as I can tell, their goal is to interview everybody. Yeah, was, that's um, what I believe it to be. Yeah, they haven't stated so, but these interviews just keep popping out, you know, on a on a pretty regular uh, basis. And a lot of the interviews are just fascinating to read. First of all, because uh, a lot of these um, woodworkers I'd never heard of uh, before, but you know, from the uh, you know, photos of their work, it's just they're doing just some really fantastic stuff. Um, but uh, the other thing I, 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 um, I, I I've made this point on my blog before, but um, you know diversity and representation is extremely important, and uh, the fact that uh, Popwood has undertaken this um, uh, this project, I think, uh, speaks volumes to you know what they're contributing to the woodworking community. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's been it's been fascinating, and uh, probably something we should have mentioned uh, sooner. But uh, yeah, I have uh, been kept abreast of a lot of those articles. I'm on their feed, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. But um, but yeah, it's they've had some some fabulous stuff there, and some and uh, you know I encourage anyone to go back and and go through. Uh, start from the first and go through there because there's a lot of great uh, not only inspiration but uh, perspiration in those articles too Yeah, I believe the
0: show just ended but um, I was trying to find a way to sneak away over Christmas and go see it because Philly's only about three and a half hours Um, Mm -hmm. it just Mm -hmm. looks to be an amazing show by a ton of people I mean um, I believe Leslie had a piece in it um, I'm trying mm-hmm. to think. There's a couple of people we've talked to who I believe were are all in it,
1: right? Yeah, and a couple of people on our list to talk to also. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. It's it's good. So, I encourage anyone to go over there, and you can find most of the articles on on, uh, on the articles so far on uh, Popular Woodworking's website. And if you go to uh, Giant Cypress. Um, Wilbur there has a, a little uh, post on that with all the links there for you.
2: Yeah, Popular Woodworking hasn't gathered all these interviews into their own special section of, the, uh, of their website, but they do have um, uh, uh, a part of their website where they just compile all of their interviews. So all of these interviews will be in that section along with the other interviews that uh,
1: Popwood has been doing. All right. Well, fantastic. Well, so um, when we get into our main topic, so um, not only is Wilbur a great friend of the show and uh, has been a guest on a number of occasions. Some of which has actually
0: been able to post.
1: Exactly. Mm -hmm. Some of which (laughs) – but, um, but so, uh, we, we need to find out what he's been up to and, and, uh, uh, he does have a couple of lectures coming up. He wants to, uh, talk about, and we're interested to hear about, but before we get to that, so, uh, what have you been up to yeah. since you were last on the show, which I think was what almost a year ago? It's
0: probably a yeah. fire working live Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. live So, um,
2: yeah. So un- unfortunately I haven't been able to do a whole lot of woodworking, um, over, uh, since uh, the beginning of last year, um, mainly because I, my wife found ourselves in the uh, position of being community activists. Um, yeah. Oh, yes, you were telling, telling yeah. us about that. Yeah. So I don't want to get too far in the weeds, but in a nutshell, our the mayor of the town that I live in was trying to wreck the library um, and so we, that meant my and my wife is on the board of trustees of uh, of our uh, public library. So uh, what that meant was that we started going to lots and lots of town meetings to advocate for the library, and um, and it actually worked. Okay. Um, yeah, there, uh, there, there's a post on my blog about uh, about that if anyone wants the uh, gory details uh, but unfortunately we, we now we're uh, in the position of having to keep an eye on the mayor to make sure he behaves
0: uh, well so no what I think you need to do is run for mayor
1: <laughs> oh boy oh. yeah I mean, or, 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 or maybe your wife should <laughs> yeah uh, I,
0: uh,
2: I, I think my wife would but uh, she, uh, she she's too smart for that <laughs> <laughs> so so as a result, I haven't uh, been able to do much woodworking. And, and, and this really hit me at one point last year because um, every day I look on eBay for wacky uh, looking for Japanese tools. Not that I really need Japanese tools uh, at this point, but I'm just looking for really weird, wacky stuff that shows mm-hmm. up. And I and I found one and bid on it, and I got it because I'm probably the only one interested <laughs> in, in, in getting that uh, thing. Um, and then it arrived at my house and I brought it down to my shop, and I saw on my workbench the last thing that I had bought on eBay because it was wacky and I hadn't even unwrapped it. So it shows Oh, it man. Kind of getting in, in, in the shop. Um,
0: can I show something similar? Sure. The Veritas Carver's Vice that I bought at Fine Woodworking Live last year when we last saw yeah. each other yeah. is sitting on my bench unopened. I can see it right now.
1: <laughs> so I hadn't made it actually into the attic yet.
0: No, oh no, it's not going to the attic. It's going to my carver's vice. It's going to, it, it and the pattern maker's vice are going to be like the, the ones I use, but I can't reach that entire bench because of the stupid slab. Okay. Uh, but anyway, I, I'm sorry. I, I, uh, I derailed uh, Wilbur telling us his tale of woeful community ac- activism, woeful in that it keeps him from his woodshop.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, but I, I actually was able to build something uh, though uh, recently. So, um, uh, so the other thing that that happened was uh, last you know last year at the beginning of the year, um, I joined a band, um, and, and I don't know if I ever told you guys this, but I, I, I play guitar. Um, and back when I was in med school, uh, back in Chicago, I, I, I used to play out on Chicago's punk scene, um, and. Uh, it's something I really like doing until 2000 when we left Chicago, and moved to New Jersey, and then we had kids. And then the guitar stuff went into the basement and, and stayed there for a while. But um, I, I managed to join a band at the beginning of the year, and and that I was able to do because we rehearse on Friday nights, so no town hall meetings are going on <laughs> Friday. Night. Um, and then we play a show, and then we've played shows every so often. So Excellent. you know, you can't. And, and it's been a ton of fun because it, it was a good. Uh, Nineteen years since I last played a show b- until the beginning of last year, and there's something, uh, and I think there's something very similar in terms of playing music as you know, as woodworking that it starts engaging a different part of your brain. Mm-hmm. And what you know, um, you know, if if your job mainly revolves like office work or sitting at a computer and that sort of uh, thing, your uh, your it engages a different part of your brain than what you normally would be using throughout the day. And I actually feel my brain being different uh, now because I'm playing music again so that's been great but um, what happened with that is that um, I bought a new amp uh, mainly because even though I love my old amp uh, my amp is super heavy it's like 65 pounds and that was fine for me to haul around when I was in my 20s back in (laughs) Chicago but now getting in and out of the basement at my age now is uh, more of an issue so I bought a new amp um, that's just as loud but lighter. So, so and that really was my key. I was looking for an amp that was lighter. Um, but this amp, uh, even though I, I'm really enjoying my new amp, uh, it has a single. It's a single channel amp, and my old amp had two channels. Okay. And my and my setup was really pretty um, minimal. I had a distortion pedal, and then I had the two channels on the amp. And so I could flip the distortion pedal on and off, and I could flip between the two channels, which gave me four different sounds. And that's what I was used to uh, doing. And now that I have a, had a single channel amp, um, I had to uh, um, uh, I, I only have two sounds with the distortion pedal on and off. Um, so then I solved that by buying another distortion pedal. So I have two distortion pedals and my amp. Uh, and then I hauled out the rest of the pedals that I'm uh, that I that I had that I typically didn't use for most of my shows. But um, uh, the band that I'm in, we mainly do covers, and so I have to generate a lot of different types of guitar tones.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: For the first time in my mm-hmm. life, I needed a, a pedal board to hold all this stuff together because otherwise, I was mm-hmm. like plugging five pedals together. Every time I set up and unplugging them all. Every time I, 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 uh, I uh, um, you know, broke my setup down. Um, you can buy it. Well, that that that's where the woodworking comes in because you can get pedal boards at Guitar Center or something like that, and they're pre- all pretty much the same. They're these metal frames with a couple metal, you know, uh, things across it. And what most people do is they attach Velcro to the frame and then the other side of the Velcro to your pedals and you just sort of plop the pedals on, uh, on, on the frame. But the problem is that, um, they're all pretty standard sizes okay. and mm-hmm. didn't, uh, and I thought, well, I could get one of these things, but number one, I didn't want to put Velcro on my, uh, on, on my pedals. I'm just, you know, I, I, I've never done it and I just didn't feel like sticking stuff on, uh, on my pedals. Um, and the other thing is that, you know, um, I, I would be confined to the real estate that these um, uh, pedal boards would have. Um, and I thought, wait, I can just build one. And so what I did was I found, a, um, I, I took all my pedals to my workbench and I laid them out on a scrap piece of pine that I had, because I'm still not sure exactly how I wanted to line, uh, line, line things up and and figured out how big of a board I needed to, you know, to hold all my pedals. And then I uh, uh, just put, uh, two pieces of wood on the underside um, to to act as sort of a riser and a ramp so that the board would be tilted up um, instead of just being you know flat on the floor because that way it's easier to tap on a little bit easier to tap on the pedals um, and uh, and again being uh, knowing how to do woodworking I decided to go all out and. Uh, took out my saw and chisel and router plane and chopped out some dados and plain pieces of wood down and, um, not to brag or anything, but it fit on the first try. So I was thinking, Oh my God, even though the mayor has taken away my woodworking hobby, I can right get right back on the horse. So that was awesome.
0: <laughs> and,
2: then, and then once I put that together, I just uh, drilled some holes and, uh, mounted a power supply on the underside and ran the cords through the holes where I wanted, and I put the holes where I wanted to put them. And then I just used, um, uh, those uh, well, what do you call them? Uh, those plastic cable lock locking things. Um, I just called oh,
1: the zip ties, yeah, zip tie, exactly. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. yeah, Um,
2: so I just used you know, long zip ties, um, and wrapped around the cables and put holes in the board and, and connected them on, on the underside, and that's how they stay in place. Mm-hmm. So now I just have to hook up um, three cables to to the uh, uh, pedal board instead of taking everything uh, apart, and I can set up in under three minutes,
1: which is great. Oh, that's fantastic! So you're drinking yeah. beers while the rest of the guys are setting up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much, pretty much. Well, great. Well, longtime listeners of the show uh, realize that I just. Uh, a blue by a normal section in our uh, lineup here. And that's what's in the shop. And I'm going to blame that on my fortnightly beer choice, which we'll get to later but, on in the show. yeah. Well, so, uh, so well, anyway,
2: well, that's, what's in my shop. So that's yeah. what's in your <laughs> shop. Exactly. <laughs> there, exactly.
1: There that dovetails I, right into what I skipped over is what's in your shop. But
3: uh, I want to, so, I want to interject real quickly that, yeah. that uh, Wilbur is an incredibly, a fantastic person if you ever met him you know that uh but the fact that you play punk rock music or did ever and are now <laughs> makes you just that much better that's fantastic
0: see well but i don't think you could have gotten better <laughs> <laughs> well well
2: um well this will give you a little insight to my uh to my approach towards playing um, so, uh, so, so the drummer is actually a woodworking friend of mine. That's how I got into this. Uh, got into this band. He called me up. I he was the one that called me up and asked if I wanted to come out and, and and play with these guys that he had been playing with. And so we were doing these songs. And and, and uh, there's a, uh, one of the songs that we were playing. You, know, you generally want to play it pretty fast. And I'm actually the youngest guy in the band by like eight years. So that gives me oh. an idea the guys I'm all right so all so right. In one 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 of our uh, band practices i turned to my friend who's the drummer and i said okay so for this song if i look at you that's a signal to play faster there is no signal to
1: play slower <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah that's awesome fantastic well well i hope sometime we see you soon with the uh, with the band yeah, Are you going to be, gonna be the
0: entertainment on Friday night at Fine Woodworking Live?
2: Um, Unfortunately not. Gonna not. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to be at Fine Woodworking Live. We're skipping ahead, but uh, oh. I can't make it this year.
0: Oh, Not even if you get a gig?
2: Uh, <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> <laughs>
1: not for that. But, yeah, you're in the shop, okay. in the shop yeah. and I'll, I'll get to that. So, but yeah. you're, you're burying the lead here. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, how how old are your kids now? Uh,
2: let's see. Uh, uh, James is uh, sixteen and a half, and Kevin is now thirteen.
3: Okay. Oh my God, our I didn't realize that our kids are the same age. My both my kids will be well. My, my oldest son, Liam, will be 17 in July. So he's basically 16 and a half. And my youngest son is 13 and will be 14 in June. So oh, yeah. right there, um, we're really close. Um, are you finding that this extra little uh, curricular activity is a little easier now that they they're a little older? Um,
2: well, well, it's easier because um, they're pretty independent, but mm-hmm. it's so easy. Um, Kevin happens to be sitting next to me. What do you think, Hi, of- Kevin? What do you think about the music that I, that we play?
3: It's loud. <laughs> that's awesome. That's fantastic. yeah, that's a, that's a cool dad, Kevin.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> cool. there is there's there's some video out there. Um, Wilbur, I'm have to look for it and send you a link to it. You've probably already seen it by now, but there's there's some band that's just a bunch of dads, and they have this video that's absolutely hilarious because they're playing this heavy metal music and they got their kids involved and their kids are just making fun of them the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I'll have to look for that and send that to you. But you know, anyway, well, so what's in the shop? So, um, so for me and Sean, I guess the biggest thing in the shop was, uh, Sean happened to visit me last week.
0: I mean, the it was- wasn't in his shop. Yeah.
1: I was uh, not in uh, he shop. was in my shop. Yes, sort yes. Solid week. Work. Yeah. Like and he, he got the full uh, $5 tour. Deami got the nickel tour because of time, but I think Sean got the $5 tour. Oh, and yeah. There, there's still stuff I went, oh, I should have shown Sean that. Shown that. <laughs> <laughs> but that's uh, a, the a way it goes. But, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I need to get up y'all's way because uh, now both of y'all have visited my shop, and I haven't seen either of your shops. So.
3: Come on well, and I, go go I said go go. that as, as I left Diami or as I, I left Kyle's, I said, should you ever find yourself in Northwest Ohio, you know, I'll, you can come see well, my if house. He goes, not much-
0: you're going over go to Pushto's if you go to Northwest Ohio, right?
1: Yeah, right, and way better. Oh, well, I've been to Pushto's like three, four times.
3: <laughs> oh, well, now. Jeez. <laughs> He moved. He's now even closer to my house. He's about two miles away. <laughs> um, but I, I said, you know, there's nothing much to look at. But I'm absolutely will extend the same. Um, but it was awesome. I, I, um, I will come back to you, Kyle, in a second because I'll, I'll just say, like, yeah. my only thing I did was I visited Galveston, Texas, <laughs> in January, <laughs> yeah. and uh, I really all I got was a great meal and uh, good beer, and and I got to see Kyle's place. It was great. I met Kyle. Sounds wife. like a good trip. It was. It was awesome. His house is fantastic. His shop is. I'm envious of. Um, It's. It's all fantastic things. It was. It was great. I I don't. I. I understand your time there was pretty brief, but I was in
0: Kyle's house for probably a total of about forty minutes.
3: Yeah. Oh. I. I was in. You know, probably a half hour before we went to dinner, and then we came back. And dinner was fantastic. Right on the docks, like fresh seafood. Oh, delicious. Delicious.
1: That's right. That's right. So, uh, yeah, unfortunately, uh, once again, the uh, barbecue. Uh, thing didn't work out. because I don't believe they have barbecue bar- in Texas, Kyle. I going, think you've been
0: lying to us this whole time.
1: Yeah, yeah, probably it sounds like I have, but Wilbur can back me up on this. But my favorite barbecue joint around here, you know, I was going, Oh well, if he's coming down, maybe I can just go pick up some barbecue and we can eat that. And uh and I uh logged on. We're closed for renovations, which mm. I'd heard about because the place has gotten so popular, they needed to ma- majorly expand it. But yeah, just when Sean visited, they're closed for
3: renovation. So I go, okay. Step two, down to Galveston for seafood. Can't get yeah. that. I, and I will say, I was I was in I landed in Houston. I was in the Houston area, really closer to Galveston than Houston, I think. Um, yeah. Uh, for for a week, I landed Monday, left Friday, and I did not have barbecue once. Oh <laughs> <laughs> I had I had Mexican. I had Whataburger. Yeah. I don't have Whataburgers around me, so I had to try Whataburger. Yeah. Um but otherwise it was it was pretty local fare, smaller restaurants, you know, just trying to try out a little stuff. We never found barbecue.
1: Um yeah, this um yeah, where you're all located, you're not gonna find
3: barbecues. Maybe Yeah, I mean it's we're yeah. so close to the water. Yeah. I you know, yeah. that that's something you don't I, I mean guess. you can I, I mind barbecue. but You gotta go out of your way, yeah.
2: Yeah, I'd go with seafood over barbecue um, any day, and I love barbecue. Yeah. Oh,
3: did. yeah. Yeah, you do. I remember. You know, I remember having barbecue with you in uh, North Carolina, Wilbur. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So and 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 that was good barbecue. Seafood is much more location
2: dependent too. It is. So if mm-hmm. you're in a place where you have access to like fresh seafood right out of the water, you I'd, yeah. I'd say you'd be silly not to not to just eat that all the time
3: yeah and this this place um as kyle described the the seafood store is is nearly adjacent to the restaurant that's built up right out on the pier and when you open the menu it tells you the names of their ships that they fish with (laughs) and 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 the the picks are very fresh yeah so it it was it was impressive Yeah. I don't know. I know, Wilbur, you were down here. I
1: don't know if you ever came down to Galveston, but one of the biggest seed food food markets where you can buy fresh fish and stuff is called Katie's. Mm -hmm. And uh, they about a year ago opened up a restaurant. So it's just like, okay, everything we get off our boats, we're now shipping some of that over to our restaurant and, you know, serving it up. So, yeah, it's really good, really fresh. Yeah, no, I never made it to Galveston, but um,
2: I, I'll, I'll have to do that sometime. And then maybe I can get a shop tour. Yeah, you're more than Heck welcome.
3: Yeah, <laughs> More than welcome. I, I, I'll, I'll tell you, the, the whole area of Seabrook and Kima and, and, and the areas north of Galveston, but southwest of Houston, they're very nice. Yeah. <laughs> So that's, that's where I closed an office. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Darn it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, but yeah, so that's
1: what Sean and I have been up to. Uh, the other thing I've been doing is shipping out jigs. So I finally got mm-hmm. my boring jigs uh, done and I've been shipping them out, Which, which for me is the most dangerous part of the jig making process because – I don't cut myself on making anything, but when I'm doing shipping, I cut myself all the time.
0: <laughs> mm. <It's> ridiculous.
1: <laughs> you know, I got one of those um, tape dispensers. It's wide. It'll hold like three different rolls of tape. So, you know, you got your your packing tape, your double-sided tape, your blue tape, and I'm constantly cutting myself on that thing.
3: <laughs> just on that and the serrated blade on the front yeah. of it? Yeah, exactly. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. Well, it's because, you know, when you're doing the packing, you're just rip, <laughs> you
1: know. Who's so yeah, calling yeah. I mean, that Oh that's okay. Yeah. But uh but so Diomi, what's in your shop?
0: Um I have this brand new awesome Veritas Carver's Vice. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. It, Tell about it's gonna be it. really cool <laughs> when, <laughs> when I take work. it out of the box. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So anything else? I know you've been a little under the weather lately, so uh, uh, not much uh, movement on the entertainment I, center. I have
0: been sick for the last two or so weeks, but really, that's, uh, that's hardly an excuse for the lack of activity out here over the past year. <laughs> but uh, you know, I'll hey, take it. So yeah, I've been sick. Sorry. I'm throwing <laughs> you a bone
1: here, you know? Oh, well, yeah, yeah, and I, I kind of resemble that remark because, uh, yeah, I'm mainly making jigs now. But I think there's—I've said this before—but I think there's a light at the end of the tunnel where I got all my stuff worked out, where I can get back into making some chairs.
0: Not that I don't wish you infinite success with it, but at some point you've got to run out of Windsor chairmakers.
1: Well, yeah, yeah, and you know, you
3: know, you say that. <laughs> and,
2: and someday the sun will expand and go supernova, too. Yeah. You know, I about. had
3: the same I, thought in, yeah. in my brief time when I was in college and I was selling electronics at Sears that yeah. how many people need a new TV? Like, oh, really? Awesome. And it's constant. It's constant. So yeah. it, it, it constantly there are Windsor chair makers that need a new innovation. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, from, from my aspect, you know, just
1: for shop time is. You know, I introduced a new jig and then probably right on the heels of that introduced another one. So it's just the ramp up and ramp up. And um, so, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to a nice, you know, just steady steam of orders, uh, stream of orders instead of, you know, just a giant hit. of like, yes, I need to spend the next two weeks in my shop doing nothing but this, 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 this. So, right. you know, so so hopefully. Um, but, you
3: know, hey. I'm actually having fun making the jigs. Oh, good. Yeah, it's. it's... I, I got a chance to see them, um, you know, and a, and a new prototype in the works, and I, uh, I'm impressed. And I got to be a little bit of a QC, which was yes, fun. yes,
1: yes. Yeah. He, he, he was a little bit of QC. I need to. I need to hire Sean for QC.
3: You need um... a bunch of
0: stickers that say "inspected by Sean."
3: Yeah, exactly. That, All that you got to do is pay to back. pay to ship it up to Northwest Ohio, <laughs> and then ship back to you. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm sure no seasonal differences between the humidity of Galveston and the current dryness of winter in northwest Ohio will uh it won't affect it at all. No, 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 I don't see what I'm doing.
1: Not nope. what I'm doing. Actually it won't. It shouldn't. Just... If, if it any. But uh but yeah, yeah. Sean got to see my layout of where I was currently in the jigs and mm-hmm. da, da, da. yeah, so yeah, so that's been fun. But uh so, um, so Sean, uh, Deyama, you have the, uh, uh, Veritas Carver's vice in the box.
0: It's a lovely and box.
1: Lovely box. Yeah. It's a Brown.
0: It is. It is. And it has a, it has a full color, uh, label on one side. That's got a picture of the vice. So it's very, oh, yeah. oh. This, is, this is a quality vice. It's, it's Veritas. It's not just Lee Valley. It's Veritas. This is one of the quality
1: ones. Wow. It's like, Wow. Yeah. I hear I hope-
0: if, if I leave it on the bench long enough and I rub it the right way, Vic will come and open it for me.
3: <laughs> With the mustache? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: but he will be wearing those chaps anyway. Oh, Jesus.
3: It's
2: <laughs> a process. You're supposed to look at the mirror and say, bloody Vic, bloody Vic, bloody Vic. Yeah, and,
3: yeah, and he'll just
1: show up. <laughs> 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 anyway, so moving right along. So Wilbur, so you've told us a little bit about what you've been up to since the last show, and we we kind of buried the lead that you will not be available for uh, Fine Woodworking Live this year. But
2: tell us why not? Yeah. So uh, so th- what's happening is that uh, Kai USA um, is having their annual event on the same weekend as Fine Woodworking Live and i'm going to be giving they they were nice enough to ask me to come out and give a talk uh for them again this year um yeah so i'm not, i'm i'm still trying to figure out exactly what i'm going to uh talk about um uh but it'll it'll probably be a combination of uh a straightforward explanation as to why japanese tools seem to have the properties that they do and then how to use these tools in your shop even if you're not Uh, Interested on in sitting on the floor and 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 all that, and and that's really where um, I've uh, sort of settled on in terms of uh, talking about Japanese tools. I've uh, for for the past um, several years, at least, I've gone on the assumption that the that my audience is your typical woodworker who's got Mm -hmm. their table saw and Mm -hmm. their and jointer and a workbench, and they're just looking to see and try to incorporate the, uh, these tools into their, uh, workflow. And, um, and, and then that's where, uh, I've been doing a lot of my thinking on, and and again, also just trying to, uh, find a way of explaining, uh, the, the, the tools in terms of their sharpness and their edge retention in a way that makes sense for everybody. So, uh, so that's what's happening in, in, in April. Um, I, I feel bad that I'm Missing Fine Woodworking uh, Live, but on the other hand, there's no Japanese tool content in Fine Woodworking Live this year that I can tell. So um, well, that made it so, easy. <laughs> yeah, so they, they made the decision uh,
1: some some <coughs> year. Uh, so if well, we're listening- we're gonna talk to them about that uh, for next year. Hmm. Maybe you should be giving the lecture
2: next oh, year. Oh, okay. that would be good. <laughs> I, I certainly wouldn't mind. Uh, uh, you know, uh, sharing what I figured out uh, over, over over there. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Now, I've been to a number of your lectures that you've had at other events of uh, woodworking in America and whatnot. And, I mean, it's always fascinating, uh, you know, some of the in-depth knowledge that you bring to those lectures. Now, this event, um, and you have another event we'll talk about in a minute, mm-hmm. but, but uh, this event is not only, you know, kind of like a, a lecture-type thing about Japanese tools, but in there also the, uh, the planing competition that we've right. heard so much about.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, so first of all, there's a lot more going on at this event than uh-huh. uh, just the planning uh, contest. I'll get to the answer later.
1: carpentry type stuff yeah. there, too. Yeah. So,
2: yeah. So. So every year um, this this has been a two day event. Um, and it's at it's in El Cerrito at the El Cerrito Community Center. And in the Bay Area, as you might imagine, there's uh, actually a pretty active group of people that have been interested in Japanese woodworking, uh, and they've been active there for a long time. Um, but uh, but uh, their main focus is on Japanese carpentry. So if you think about the temples and traditional mm-hmm. um, Japanese uh, uh, buildings that have been built using these techniques, that's mm-hmm. a lot their, where their interest um, lies in, so it's a lot of architectural uh, type work. Um, but there's presentations all, you know, for for both of those two days on the types of joinery, the way that these buildings were designed, um, you know, and uh, presentations on um, uh, Japanese. Uh, buildings that these people have actually erected in the um, in, in the Bay Area and other uh, you know, places. Um, so it, it, it's really fascinating because that's actually a part of woodworking that um, the hobbyist uh, woodworkers don't uh, seem to get a lot of exposure to or or, or take up as much interest because it mm. doesn't putting up buildings, which is a, a completely different could, scale of thing.
0: Could I ask you about that? Yeah, um, I know in modern times in the U S and I think generally in the West woodworking and carpentry are not the same thing on different scales. They're very different things. Oh yeah. yeah Based definitely. on the little bit I know about Japanese woodworking and Japanese carpentry, they strike mm-hmm. me more as the same thing on a different scale rather than really different things like they are in the West. Is that an accurate statement? Are they close to the same thing on a different scale or are they still st- very different from each other?
2: I, I would say that they're relatively different okay. um, so if you think so if you think about Asian woodworking in general um, uh, the architectural stuff that happens in Japan clearly comes from China um, mm-hmm. as you know most cultural things did in Asia just because mm-hmm. China is so dominant in the uh, uh, from an economic and cultural standpoint uh, you know, going all the way back to you know uh, BC uh, times when the country was just uh, getting getting started, and, and the first emperor came along. Um, so, um, uh, but uh, but there there is a definite style and technique there that um, involves um, a lot of very complicated and sophisticated timber uh, timber frame uh, techniques. Um, And then there's just the idea of we have all these logs that we're going to hew down into beams and move them around. So that's a a much different um, uh, activity than pushing boards around in in your shop. Mm -hmm. You look at the um, smaller scale Japanese uh, woodworking uh, uh, areas of woodworking that have traditionally been done in Japan. um, There's a lot of small things like, um, you know, uh, utensil-type things like spoons, mm-hmm. chopsticks, and uh, spatulas and things things like that. They were traditionally made out of either wood or bamboo. And, yeah, and, and yes, I know, technically speaking, bamboo is not a wood, it's a grass, but the, <laughs> the techniques are very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have uh, these smaller um, – and, and then you have the uh, – uh, kuhiko dolls—I think that's what they're called—but th- those are these wooden dolls with that are turned. The body is turned, and then the head is turned, and there's a uh, sort of a, a ball end on the uh, on the neck of the body, and the head just sort of pops on, so the head can sort of rattle around. But uh, but it, but it, it it's held on because it's uh, um, uh, because the fit is so it, it is so precise. And a lot of other you know smaller uh, uh, smaller toy and decorative type. Uh, items And then in terms of furniture, you know, traditionally there hasn't been a whole lot of furniture in Japan because their houses and society was designed so that there were, um, uh, that that people slept on the floor and where they ate, usually there was a, um, they either sat on the floor or they created a pit where their feet could dangle down into while they sat on mm-hmm. a small, small table. So basically the idea of furniture doesn't, hold the same role in Japanese society back in the back in the day compared uh, to Western society. So, um, but, but the approach to joinery there again was very sophisticated, but it served a different purpose because the aesthetic of the time, um, and still now, you know, uh, to a great extent is, uh, was that, um, all the joinery should be hidden. So okay. if you, if you if you're building a case, you would do completely hidden dovetails at each corner. Um, mm-hmm. Or uh, or you uh, uh, and and so the idea is that you wanted to bury end grain as much as possible and um, and, and that was partly the aesthetic and there's actually partly uh, a, um, a practical reason for that because um, if you remember your you know wood technology and how a board absorbs moisture it's almost all through the end grain and not through the face grain and right. and being an island nation goes through really large humidity swings every day all throughout the year. And so it would behoove you to try to bury the end grain because otherwise your your wooden thing that you made uh, might start to come apart. Um, and, uh, and if you look at uh, the way that these things were constructed, um, you know, that, that I think is one of the reasons why they went through the bother to uh, create uh, such intricate uh, joinery. Um, even in cases where... Um, uh, things were nailed together to build things because uh, a lot of tansu construction uh, relies on nails and hardware. Uh, not not all of it, but a good amount of it uh, relies mm-hmm. on nails and hardware to stay together. And if you take a look at old tansu, you can see that um, you know you, they're using you know much the same you know na- uh, old nail technology as in the West. Sometimes they would use wooden pegs uh, as well, but. You mm-hmm. could t- by the way, that they're you know putting the boards together, they were also trying to keep um, wood movement under control.
1: Right. Yeah. So, so what, what you're describing is primarily the the Japanese tradition, but in China mm-hmm. and uh, other areas of Asia, they did have a furniture culture where right. they were actually building furniture.
2: Yeah. 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 So. Yeah, yeah, and in China, it it, it is quite um, different. Um, some a few years ago, I wrote a Chinese furniture article for, for Pop Wood, and um, and one of the conclusions that I came to, uh, I'll just try to keep this short, is that one of the reasons I think that they did such complicated joinery for Chinese furniture because basically all of the joinery was interlocking with wedges and things like that to keep the joint from coming apart. And they did not rely on glue at all. Um, and I think part of the reason for doing that, uh, because, you know, to do something like that takes a lot of uh, takes a lot of work. But the reason I think that they did that is, number one, um, they I don't think glue technology existed back in the Ming Dynasty and Qing Dynasty to hold pieces of rosewood together because that's the right they we're using. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, um, uh, so, uh, and, and the other issue is that if you take a look at the, the trees that they were harvesting, um, and, and, granted there is a factor of, well, trees were bigger in the older days than they are now, but still the, the, the trees that they were harvesting would uh, take typically hundreds of years to grow to a size where you could even start using it for lumber. And then when you chopped it down, oftentimes the center was hollowed out because of rot. And so you got this circumference of wood. Um, to work with, which meant that um, if you got an eight to 12 inch board out of that, you're actually pretty lucky because that's about as large a board as you could possibly get. Um, and and uh, in China, back in the day, these, you're right, um, furniture played a much bigger role in home mm-hmm. life did in japan but they still had to b- build human sized pieces of furniture so if you're building an armoire, you want it to be about 20 24 inches deeper you know so because to make one too shallow would be just dumb. um and you know dining room t- tables had to be a certain size and chairs had to be a a certain size and if you're limited in the width of your boards to eight to twelve inches um and and you don't have glue then the answer is you basically um frame and panel everything and create complicated joinery that doesn't rely on uh, rely on glue. Um, and so you see a lot of use of sliding dovetails and things like that that most woodworkers that we know would never think uh, about using. Um, Andrew Hunter actually has a great presentation and an article on the frame and panel joinery that exists in Chinese furniture. Um, and he and he has this demonstration piece that he brings around, and it's a, it's basically a maple door that's um, constructed with famous, uh, Chinese style frame and panel joinery, and the thickness of the door is maybe a little bit over a half an inch, but the thing is completely rock solid; it doesn't flex. I could probably sit on it if, and pretty comfortably without um, uh, without. Uh, causing any problems in terms of the the door failing because this the construction is just so
1: solid it's uh, it's really remarkable to look at yeah that that is fantastic Fascinating, and you know me being a chair lover, I love all the Chinese chairs, uh, yeah. the Ming chairs, and all those. I mean, boy, the inspiration that uh, has permeated Western chairs is just incredible. Uh, once you see that chair, you're going, "Wait, I've seen that chair here, 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 here." <laughs> yep,
0: yep,
2: yep, Hans Wegner rose the Ming dynasty a lot.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, he does. Yes, he does. Yeah. Oh, and, and I also uh, owes uh, Windsor chairmakers a lot, too. So yeah.
3: anyway. <laughs> yeah.
2: and, and, and Kyle, you, uh, you'll be interested in this, I think. So um, on you know, one of my trips to, uh, to China, I picked up this book um, that basically is a two volume set. And basically what they did was they took old pieces of Chinese furniture and took photos of them, which you know, were really nice, and then took measurements, which was really nice. But then what they did was they took them apart. And they laid out the parts, and they measured the parts, and then um, because they could put them back together again. Mm-hmm. And the thing that struck me is that I mean there there are a lot of examples of Ming Dynasty chairs, and, and there were you know the the type with the very square seat and the and, and the curved arm. Right. And what was really interesting to me is that um, And that's I, like a frame and panel seat, isn't it? Just, yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. yeah. So uh, so the interesting thing to me is that these chairs. I'll bet anything they were made by different woodworkers at different times because the Ming Dynasty covered like three hundred years. <laughs> right. So, um, um, but but the dimensions are remarkably similar. Hmm. So so uh, like for example, if the if the panel part of the seat was 10, in, 10 millimeters thick in one chair, it was like ten millimeters thick in all the other chairs. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So so they told. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, I I don't know how or. Why it was done that way, but i uh, but from what I know about um, Chi- um you know Chinese society back in the day, I bet they just um hit on a standardization and everybody went with it mm-hmm. um, yeah so so it, it, it's really pretty remarkable
1: that is that, that's yeah. cool yeah. So, um, so we talked a little bit about uh, what you're going to do when a fine Creek live is going on. So you do have a upcoming lecture. It's a little sooner than that, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so on uh, February 15th, I'm going to be down in the uh, north, uh, northern Virginia area um, in Manassas, I, um, to talk to the Washington, uh, uh DC woodworkers guild. Um, mm-hmm. there's another, um, woodworking club in Northern Virginia and, and their name is slipping my mind, but they're both sponsoring, uh, this event. So th- this is going to be uh, pretty fun because, um, uh, in, instead of the hour or so that I'll have at Kai I'll have basically a half a day, to uh, talk about Japanese tools, so it starts at noon, um, and and it's scheduled to run to 4:30. But I'll stay as long as people are interested. And basically, the first part would be again uh, a talk about if you're a woodworker and you just want to start using Japanese tools in your shop, why should you do it, and how, uh, and, and and how can you incorporate them into your workflow? Uh, but I also plan on doing a lot of just hands-on stuff where people want to uh, say, you know, someone picked up a Japanese chisel a long time ago and they have no idea how to set it up i'll just you know be there to help them do that i'll be help you know, there to help uh out with uh, sawing technique if you have a japanese saw um, and if you have a japanese plane i uh, can help you out with that uh, too so uh, so that'll be a lot of fun um the, the other thing that is sort of you know very much beside the reason the, the actual reason why i'm going down there is that uh, don williams um mm-hmm. Lives in the area, and, and he uh, shot me an email and said that he was going to come up and and, uh, and and see my talk. So I get to hang out and chat with him again, which is always a lot of fun. Oh, no, oh
1: awesome. that yeah, that would be fantastic. Yes. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, cool. Yeah. So, um, so of course, after this, uh, after you uh, do your event in April, uh, mm-hmm. when they do have the planning. Competition. I mean, we yeah. kind of basically mentioned that, but you are going to be involved in the planning competition, correct?
2: Um, I don't know. I <laughs> you don't know. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so first of all, uh, I'm trying to do this without. Yeah. Now, now,
1: now but before That's we go too far, so uh, listeners that that aren't that aren't uh, familiar with it, why don't you describe what the planning competition is? Right. Right.
2: Right. So basically, um, one of the uh, big events at, uh, Kai. and, 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 this, and Kizuro Kai is actually the same name that they give this sort of event over in Japan when we you know, these things are usually, uh, usually held. Um, and, and it that, should also,
3: does that mean something that like gives um, a literal, literal word? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, I actually don't know exactly. Uh, and, and I'll means. be culturally culturally insensitive at this point and just say that it resembles uh, 1980s kung fu, well, American kung fu oh, films yeah, way too much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cobra Kai, Kazra Kai. We yeah. just uh... oh, <laughs> call it Sweep Leg Johnny. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, um,
2: yeah, let's see. Hang on, I'm just looking Oh, well, now you're gonna find yeah. out. Yeah, I'm just trying to see if there's a. Uh, huh? You'd be think you'd think it'd be easier to find a translation to, you know, for that,
3: but it, they just refer to it as the um, as the event. Oh, yeah. look. I I always you know from from the Karate Kid you know knowledge I I barely have um, I understood Cobra Kai Kai meaning like studio or or something like that and Mm -hmm. cobra was the the brand kind of to it so i I have no idea how that translates but just curious yeah (laughs) i
1: I just love the cultural sensitivity we're having here we go from uh anything uh japanese into uh martial arts so anyway yeah
3: yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. we're nothing if not pc all right, so, did Tom. I mention
0: that in Suffolk County, we have one municipal water authority? But in Nassau County next to us, each town has their own water authority? But it all comes from the ground. They're all wells.
1: <laughs> you know, we, we have here what's called MUDs, <laughs> m- mm-hmm. municipal utility districts. So. Uh, oh. So anyway. Did you find what you were anyway. looking for?
2: So, so um... <laughs> So I did some quick Googling, um, and the farthest I got was I punched in the actual Japanese characters for Kezurokai into Google Translate, which generally does a terrible job with Asian languages. Mm. But Google Translate is giving me shaving party.
0: Oh, who wouldn't want to do that? that?
3: No, but that kind of works, right? The idea is that that you're you're shaving or planing. It's about the same thing. Yeah, and it's a Uh, and it's a party. Party, hell yeah!
1: <laughs> so, That's cool. but 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 so, um, yeah. But for so, those not in the know, so tell us a little bit about exactly what this competition is.
2: Right. Okay. So the planning competition is the thing that gets all the attention. You mm-hmm. go Google, or you go on uh, YouTube, and you'll find all these planning competition um, uh, videos. And basically, the idea is that you have a very long beam. Of usually some sort of cedar. Um, all, all the ones that I've been to use Alaskan yellow cedar. I know that in Japan they like Port, Port or- Orford uh, cedar. It's just in, impossible to get that in the U.S. because it's all going to uh, uh, Asia because the demand there is so uh, so high. But the idea is, is, is
3: that, that choice is because of grain structure.
2: Right, right. The, mm-hmm. That is because of grain structure because you could you know theoretically do kezur kai with anything, but it'd be red ke- oak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually thinking like um, you know, curly babinga or something. Oh, there
3: you go,
2: there you go. Yeah. So um uh, but but uh, the other reason is that um there there's actually a tie into the use of um these cedars in Japanese uh ar- architecture. So the idea is that you um, you spend some uh, time setting up your plane uh, to try to take the finest shaving possible. And then the actual contest, you go up to this beam and you have a couple of attempts or three attempts to pull off the th- thinnest shaving that you can. And the shaving has to be full width without any holes or tears in it. And like I said, you know, about eight feet long plus. Right. Um, and they measure the uh, thickness of the shaving with calipers to see how. Uh, how, how thin you can get, um, and the and, and the competitions I've been at, the uh, the winning shaving has been less than a thousandth of an inch. Um, the 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 uh, uh, calipers that uh, that I've seen being used actually are calibrated in microns. So I've seen mm-hmm. shaving as low as fifteen microns, um, mm-hmm. and twenty five microns is a thousand. So it gives you an idea. Wow! Where we're getting to, yeah, and how wide? Does uh, it work? And, and the and the board is about uh, two and a half inches wide. or so. Okay. So, yeah, so just a little bit narrower than the blade of a, a standard Japanese plane. Um, but but I've also heard though that in Japan, where they really you know go to town on uh, on on this uh, on this competition. Um, there, there have been people who've gotten into the single digit micron range.
3: Wow. Yeah. So is that a testament to the metal in the blade or the body of the plane or a little bit of both? It's,
2: it's the entire thing. Um, because, um, uh, because, um, you know, having done these contests, um, Uh, My myself uh, number one. um, I I'm actually at a point where I'm not super interested about entering the contest um, because uh, because of the way the plane needs to be set up. So in order to set up your plane, the the edge of the blade has to be extremely straight, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And no camber
1: whatsoever. Yeah, right.
2: And you have to sharpen it to like the the nth degree. So for me, the sharpening thing, I'm probably not the world's best sharpener, but I can get it pretty sharp. Um, So. So I can get that within striking range, but it's really the removing of the camber that you know, the, the, that that's the hardest part. And then you have to get the sole of your plane and tune it up so that's also at the same degree of flatness.
1: Yeah, because uh, your your traditional Japanese plane only touches the wood at what, like three points.
2: Yeah. Or two or three points. Yeah. Uh, I'm talking about, you know, going yeah. side to side, the, the yeah. area in front of the mouth needs to be completely flat as well, because right. it does no good if your blade is is flat from uh, side to side. If the area in front of the blade is not also flat from side to side. Right. And then when you get the blade into the um, plane, uh, you have to be able to tap it into position so that the edge of the blade is completely even with the front of uh, the, the mouth of the, of the plane. And then the planing gods have to smile on you while, while you're <laughs> yes. So, so it. Yes. It, so it does take a lot of uh, work. But the thing, uh, one of the things I've learned is that if you're setting up your plane, uh, plane for a planning contest, that's the only thing it's really useful for. Okay. Um and, and I use my planes for, you know, planning just like anybody would use their planes for planning. So, um, uh, so a little bit of camber is actually useful. And what I found is that every year I'd like take all the camber out of my plane blade, which was a lot of work. And then I didn't have to put it back again after I was done.
3: Mm-hmm. So, so competition it, blades. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yes. this is like this is like the guy I knew that was trying to get into long drive uh, golf competitions. Mm-hmm. You know, he had a couple particular drivers that in no way would fit his actual game. Right. that were only used for the competition. Right. Yep. Well, is
1: this competition
3: traditional,
1: or is it relatively new? Or well, it's
3: been going on for a very
2: long time. Okay, um, I, I don't know how long it goes back. I don't think, uh, I, I don't think it goes back to you know, say pre World War II days. But right, uh, but it's not like it just started up you know within uh, within this millennia. Uh, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and and in Japan, um, you know, the, uh, a lot of people show up. Um, for, for these uh, for for, the, for these things, but the thing is though, um, uh, I I I, I kind of think that when people look at the Kai event, there's almost too much attention paid to the planning contest and not so much attention paid uh, paid to the other um, uh, to the other stuff, which mm-hmm. is um, it's one of those double edged sword things mm-hmm. uh, because the planning contest is certainly the thing that gets people into the door, um, but I, but at some level, I think um, it needs to be somewhat de-emphasized as the reason for having um, this sort of event. Because there's a lot of good woodworking content aside from the uh, from the actual planning contest. Yeah. Um,
1: well Kevin said that it, it is a lot of fun to to see if you've never seen it. Yeah, before. Well, we definitely are going to have you back on after the event, so you yeah. can yeah. talk about it yeah. and give us firsthand about uh, what took place and what went on and what you thought was uh, what what was the best uh, yeah. um, um, of the event. So yeah, that's going to be great. Yeah. So any future plans that you have that you'd like to let our listeners know about? Let's see. Well, I, uh, any more, any more videos, books, whatnot?
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no, no plans for um, for videos. Uh, yeah. I, uh, I, um, I'll, I'll just do this. You know, I, I, uh, uh, Popwood had me do a video for them uh, that I think is available as a download. Now, I, I don't know if they have physical DVDs anymore um, uh, for it, but uh, but basically, it's broken down into. Uh, four parts. There's a video on Japanese planes, a video on Japanese chisels, a video on Japanese saws, and then everything else we needed to know about Japanese uh, tools, uh, but we're afraid to ask. Hmm. Um, So, yeah, um, uh, but uh, but it it was a lot of fun making that uh, video, but um, uh, I I know how much effort it takes to go into making a video, and uh, like I said before, I don't have the time for
1: those sorts of things (laughs) these (laughs) days. Exactly. You got to be railing against uh, City Hall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, well with that said, let's uh, move on to our fortnightly beer choices. So, are here. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll start off. So, Diomi, I've been actually wanting to have you on the podcast to see if you know about this brewery called The Other Half. I do. You do. Send well, us more. <laughs> tell us more. Yes, tonight I had their triple cream IPA and it was absolutely fantastic. And of course, that's why I'm blaming it for my earlier <laughs> flood because it is ten percent alcohol. But it was. That's I a day. That's what it should be. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's. Mm-hmm. But let's let's put it this way. I was gifted these by uh, Patrick Brenham, and a number of these. And I think the lowest one he gave me was nine percent.
0: I, I so. tell you, with with the. Um, yeah. The popularity of yeah. beers like that. Yeah. When I don't want something strong, I struggle to find it in my fridge. I think like uh, <laughs> the weakest thing I have is probably seven, and I probably have stuff yeah. up to like twenty six.
1: Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. not many of that, those. This is a fantastic, uh, fantastic brewery. Everything I've had has been very good
3: from them. Mm-hmm. What was the other half that I had when I was down there?
1: Um, it was, golly. Uh, I looked it up earlier cause I was going to put in the show notes, but they had like 26 pages of beers and by, I got to 10 and I couldn't find it, but it was a, uh, it was another IPA. It, it was, was good. It I was good. Uh, it was do a, really good stuff. Yeah. So are they, so they around you? Tell us you about mean? them. They're, yeah.
0: they're kind of upstate. Um, okay.
1: yeah, Let's, I think they're Rochester and then I think they have a place in Brooklyn is what yeah. I understand. Yeah,
0: um, they're one of a thousand places that makes decent IPAs around here. Like I, they're very good. I don't mean to knock anything against them. Yeah, but, um, I don't know much more than I've shared.
1: Well, I, I was just impressed, but uh, yeah, Patrick uh, gifted me a, a four set of different of those from the other half, and I was pleasantly surprised. But maybe that's because I'm in Texas and you're where you're at. <laughs> regionality determines that a little bit exactly exactly
3: i'm sure you want some good tex-mex or seafood come on down there you go yeah or or i also learned that galveston is is big on italian because of early mob influence which is interesting Mm. yes there you go so uh i um since i've returned to ohio um i've had two different peanut butter beers um I had a peanut butter porter the other day and I picked up a uh a Imperial Oatmeal Stout with with literal peanuts put into the brew today and I'm rather enjoying them and I don't know why. Um this either. one it what's that? I said I
0: don't either.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not overtly peanut butter uh, this one's called Uber Goober from Shorts Brewery. They're they're up in they're up in uh, Uber Goober. I love Uber the Uber Goober. Day. Yeah, they're yeah. up in. Um, Shorts Brewery is in yeah mid Michigan, some near somewhere near Saginaw, um, which is the thumb of Michigan, give or take. Uh, if you're looking at a map, um, but no, it was it was pretty good. It's um, I mean it's it's nothing to write home about necessarily, but it's it's just interesting to try. It's not too sweet, not too anything. It's just a good could even even stout.
2: Can I ask something about the peanuts? Yes. Why?
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Fair question. Uh, um, I, I mean,
2: is there a historic precedent for putting no, peanuts in? No, there's not, not at all. No, no.
3: And so this, this, all, this, this all stemmed for a, a couple weeks ago, my wife and I were at a local brewery, and they had a... A peanut butter and jelly something or other, and it was just even it's a novelty. It's a dessert, you know. There's there's something to it. But if that beer, and, and this is totally local, I guarantee they don't distribute it. Um, but it it ta- it smelled very much like peanut butter, very much, and it 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 tasted like Concord grape juice. It was the weird and beer, you know, like add that into there. It, right. it, it's not traditional, it's not good necessarily, yeah. but the the interesting interest, though the combination of those flavors. I was it like it was the the closest thing you could get to drink a peanut butter and jelly sandwich because there was bread in there too. Like it was it was the craziest flavor. Is,
0: is that like um, six points? Does a lot of beers that impress me in their technical prowess but I yes. don't necessarily like. And that's what this yeah. sounds like is like, that's really yeah. impressive that you can put a peanut butter and jelly sandwich into a beer, but I'm going to return to Wilbur's question. Why?
3: Yeah, no, no, no. It was like, it was, we were there to eat. We didn't have the kids. And I was like, wow, I saw that on the menu. And you're just like, I, I got to have it. I, I'm going to have it now. And and now having had it, I don't think I'll ever get it again, <laughs> but it was, but it was impressive for what it was like. it, It is. It's like, damn, you pulled it off. I don't know what you did to do it. What (laughs) fantastic science is involved to get that taste to come through that flavor, you know, to blend. But it was, eh, you know, I probably, you know, I don't even know. They may not have it the next time I go into that place, but, um, (laughs) You know, n- no sweat off my back. I tried it and it's it was it was good. Well, no, it's for, for this purpose.
1: purpose. You're
3: talking about it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. The, so somebody can in... go in
1: there and say, hey, where is this? I, okay. I want to try it. And it's like a concept. If they don't have it. They're
3: going to try something else. Yeah. yeah. So, come, in, come you know, come the banana some...
1: split. Yeah, know, right, fast right. Out,
3: you know. come to sylvania ohio <laughs> go to inside the five uh, uh a restaurant started by a former nfl kicker mm-hmm. because punters want to land the ball inside the five yard line right okay. there's the name yeah. all right and yeah. uh and you get beers like that and they've got like 16 different beers that they brew and okay. it's a constant rotation it does seem to me that um
2: impressive for what it is is really damnation by faint praise.
3: <laughs> <laughs> wow. wow! Wow! Yes, that that is incredibly accurate. Okay.
0: So what I'm what I'm hearing from you, Wilbur, you. is that in New Jersey, you don't put peanut butter in your beer.
2: <laughs> I don't know. Somebody here might do that, and I would ask them the same question. No,
3: and, and the, same, the, the one I had tonight—it's legitimately—it is an Imperial Oatmeal Stout brewed with peanuts not peanut butter peanuts oh that makes all the difference in the world I, I don't know what peanuts do when you're mashing for beer. I mean, I, I have no idea.
2: The peanut butter is just mashed peanuts. It's high yeah. protein beer.
3: There you go. Maybe I got a little bit of different fat and protein. And they're probably peanuts. not even mashed. They're probably just thrown in there. It's as, chunky beer. And maybe just a handful. <laughs> hey, we brewed it with peanuts. We exactly. A yeah, and they just like oh. it's literally out of the out of the the yeah. elephant's feed bag yeah. of just like whole peanuts. Just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably.
2: We had talked about um, Kyle running out of Windsor chair It seems to me that the uh, microbrewers might be running out of ingredients. Oh, you are right. Yeah,
3: there. yeah. You, are, yeah. That, sir, you Who, are correct. Have we checked in with with um, Washington or, or or the area to know what the next thing is? Because IPAs kind of got really hot there, and then they're falling apart. And I don't know what the well, next. Well,
1: I think I think we discussed this is. on our last episode. But my area is now distilleries. I mean, for yeah, more, more than alcohol.
3: Now yeah. we we'll see that too up in New England. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got it too. And I yeah. I don't know that that's the answer, but well, yeah, it's it's an answer, but <laughs> yeah, it may not be the answer you want. Yeah, true. Yeah.
2: Okay. But. Peanut gin. Twenty twenty two. You heard it there here. You, first.
1: you heard it here first. Oh. <laughs> Oh, I'm gonna do a Google search for that later, and it's probably already exists. Sadly, <laughs> yeah. sadly. So, yep. Diami, what are you drinking? I'm
0: drinking uh, Target brand unsweetened lime sparkling water because I'm fighting At, a cold.
1: As you do, yeah. As you do, yes. Well, good, good. Hopefully, there's some good citrus in there. <laughs> Vitamin
3: C to fight the cold. Yeah.
0: According to the can, there's absolutely nothing in it. There's like everything on the Nutrition Facts is zero. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> just like the, uh, oh, I just got my wife some Gatorade tonight. And it's like Gatorade zero. It's like, what is this made of? It's electrolytes that produce nothing. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Good
0: old fashioned regular Gatorade full of salt and sugar.
3: Yeah. That's right.
1: Anyway, so moving on, Wilbur. So, what are you drinking?
2: um yeah so so So. um i don't uh, i i can't drink alcohol You're because allergic I'm, to it, yes? yeah I'm, I'm yeah i'm missing that enzyme um but uh what i've been getting a lot of use out of is uh soda stream uh so if you don't know what that is it's this device you stick a co2 cartridge into it um you jam this bottle and uh, fill up a bottle with water and you jam it into uh, the the other end and you push a button and it carbonates the water for you Right. And, And the um, and the uh, uh, idea is that you're supposed to buy these syrups that you then pour into your bubbly water and it makes uh, soda for you or pop because I'm from the Midwest. (laughs) Um, But but the thing is, I've come to the conclusion that all the flavorings they have for this just taste like crap (laughs) Uh,
0: because
2: they have some sort of sweetener in it that's not sugar and it's not like, you know, um, uh, aspartame or any of the other, you know, diet sweeteners. It's, uh, something in between and it just doesn't taste very good. Okay. But on the other hand, I've gotten really used to drinking, um, soda water now okay. because I make it, um, and, and, and it's great. Um, so, so that, that's, that's you, my Have you, uh,
0: you, have know. you had to use it's regular CR2 cartridges or do you use it's, theirs? It's, it's,
2: um. No, no, they 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 have a CO two cartridge that you can. But but when I run out, I just go to Target and I exchange it and and uh, and, and bring it back. And, hmm. and and I would say I'm a pretty heavy user for it because I probably use it. Uh, I probably make. Um. The, the bottles are about a little bit less than a liter in 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 size. Um. And I probably make. Um. Use it four to five times a week. Oh okay. So um, and yeah. and the cartridges still will last me the good part of a month.
3: Mm. Yeah. So that's all it is. It's a CO2 cartridge yep. to a bottle of water and just. Yep. Yeah, there you go. You got soda water. Yep.
2: yeah. But hmm. uh, uh, but since the cartridges are you know sixteen dollars or so if you if you exchange them and if you multiply that out by how many bottles I go through in between cartridges you're coming out like way ahead. Yeah, that's yeah. not oh, bad. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Plus, plus one of my friends actually gave me the SodaStream, so I really came out ahead <laughs> on the uh, on the
1: accident. Oh, jeez. Initial <laughs> purchase zero. Yeah. That's, that's beautiful. Right. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Well, so with that, uh, Wilbur, where can folks find you on the interwebs? Okay, so my my blog is uh,
2: Giant Cypress. It's at giantcypress.net. And if you scroll down to the bottom, you'll see, like, links to all the other ways you can get a hold of me, like email and uh, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, where I'm actually just Wilbur Pan on all of them.
1: (laughs) Okay, well, great. Well, Diami, where can folks find you? Not in my shop.
0: Oh. <laughs> oh um, I can be found at uh, if i me at on Twitter. That's where I lurk.
1: Okay. And, and you can always find me at Barton.kyle on Instagram, the
3: only social media platform. <laughs> and and on that social media and Twitter, I'm Sean W seventy eight. There you go. And that just wraps up the show. Uh, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the show on any podcaster that you happen to use. And uh, thank
0: you for listening. What we'd like you to do is um, go get an old Zune or a classic iPod and then go Brown hang out Zune. with the... Is that not what I said? Did I say Dune? No, zoom. you said
1: zoom zoom, zoom. zoom but, yeah. but I said brown the brown zoom. Oh, the brown the one. Brown okay, zoom. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You needed the brown then, one.
0: Well, what I was thinking is we could get some of those really thin shavings, and and wrap it in that, almost veneer it with thin shavings, Ooh. and then you could listen to us and all the other woodworking podcasts in a Japanese veneer, um, Japanese shaving veneer clad, MP3 player, and I think you'll be a better woodworker if you do it. So. Um, That's what I'm going to say you should go do. And it'll
3: smell really nice. There (laughs) you go. There you you go. Because it was shaved at the Cobra Kai. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)